Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks, and today we unpack Rainit, uh, New Gold Debentures, and Afrimet with Keith McLaughlin from Integral Asset Management. Keith, it's always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. It's good to be here. Wonderful, Keith. Let's talk about why you've chosen uh, these counters today. Is there a specific reason? Uh, so these tend to be, and perhaps uh, arguments can be made against Afrimat being this, but especially Raynet and uh, gold, new gold being a good route into it on the JSC are, are really actually quite defensive counters uh, and offer either diversification, big discounts to NAV with very different defensive underlyings, but we, we're immensely cautious of global markets at this point, and a defensive slant in a portfolio is a, is a good aspect to take. Let's start off by speaking about Rain. It's a very interesting a portfolio of assets because outside of British American Tobacco, they've got that PIC uh, you know, investment, and PIC is not the public investment corporation in South Africa. No, it's not. No, yes. not, not at all. So, uh, first of all, the market's perception is really that Raynet, because when it listed, historically, the majority of its net asset value was British American Tobacco, but that is only 25% of its net asset value now. 50% is the Pension Insurance Corporation, which really operates in the UK in the pension risk transfer market through buy-ins and buy-outs, it effectively um, takes over and manages the risk of defined benefit uh, pension schemes um, and is really, really well positioned. It's actually an exciting growth asset in, in our opinion, particularly as the world's become more complicated. Companies don't want this bother of managing pension funds, especially defined uh, benefit pension funds on, on their own balance sheets. And what we've actually seen is uh, interest rates rise around the world, which which actually allows these these sort of uh, insurance companies that they, they have a lot more fat in terms of the bond yield curves to work in their favor. So really, really excited about the asset. It's not just a cheaply valued stock being Raynet but Pension Insurance Corporation is really well positioned for growth. What we are seeing, uh, Keith, is shifts in the UK with how companies are managing uh, pensions. And that's what gives rise uh, to the bullishness, I guess, around uh, that PIC. Let's just talk about uh, that dynamic in the UK. Sure. So historically, first of all, to understand the two types of pension funds, you get the fund contribution ones, which is probably what most people are on, uh, where you pay into a pension, uh, it gets invested over the life of the pension, depending on how it performs, you get to draw down on it. Um, and really, the market risk is on the participant there or the pensioner, and companies don't really manage it. They're typically outsourced to either umbrella funds or, or, or the like. Historically, if you go back, and the UK being a very old market, it has defined benefit funds. And here, you work at a company and um, money flows in and builds up a liability, but they, they effectively guarantee you how much they're going to pay you. In other words, they're absorbing that uh, that risk. In the world, uh, I mean, we saw the, uh, the, the route through the guilt market. Sure, was that this year or last year? Um, and, and all the complexities that's currently happening in the UK, most of these most of these businesses, their core business is not managing pensions. Mm -hmm. And a defined benefit pension is a particularly risky one for a company because any deficits it has to fill. So therefore, it's exposed to market risk and things like that. This has created a huge uh, uh, pipeline. Uh, Pension Insurance Corporation estimates about £600 billion of pipeline 
pipeline of, of uh, defined benefit uh, schemes coming to market in the UK that it will it will be able to bid for their own immediate pipeline is 50 billion pounds we're talking about a company that that uh, really uh, has only about 40 billion pounds under, under management so even their immediate uh, pipeline could effectively double them uh, this is very much a, a, a service that's in demand and there's only a few players of scale with, with, with all the barriers, legislative, regulatory and capital uh, in place. What I found interesting about Rainet as well, uh, Keith, is, uh, you know, the company is uh, partly controlled by the Rupert family. I could think of a lot worse places to put your money than, uh, you know, a- along with uh, the-, the Rupert family. I'm keen to find out if that does matter, you know, and does also uh, give skin in the game to, of course, people who ha- have looked after their wealth. Uh, definitely. I mean, if you want to... Skin in the game is immensely important. Alignment mm-hmm. incentives, uh, incentives are immensely important. And and you're investing behind uh, a, a team and, mm. and, and a shareholder with, with very, very strong credibility and a good track record. So definitely that that, that wouldn't be the only reason I look at mm-hmm. this, but mm-hmm. it definitely lends a lot of credibility uh, and we quite like that. Before we move away yet, not worried at all about uh, British American tobacco and the way the tobacco industry is going? So on the one hand, yes. Uh, on the other hand, there's benefits to like about it mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then don't forget, sitting in Raynet, first of all, and we haven't touched on the discount that sits in mm. Raynet. Raynet's trading at a 40% discount to its net asset value. So you're getting the assets in it at a 40% discount, which we think is very excessive. Uh, and then second of all, British American tobacco included in the net asset values, effectively included at market price. And you look at the valuation metrics in the market, and the market's not really valuing this as a growth stock. In fact, the complete opposite is valuing it as a negative growth stock. It's very, very low multiples. So for a very large business, one could take a, a slightly ambiguous view that it's efficiently priced, and therefore, you, you're just getting it at a 40% discount in Raynet. So um, we will watch this space carefully. And it is one we watch individually, uh, but not too concerned about that. I wouldn't say we're overly excited about it. Um, the PRC is really the exciting part of Raynet, in, the, in our opinion. But, you know big fan of buying things at 40 percent discounts as well yeah even she's keen even she's let's move on now and speak about uh, the new gold debentures a very interesting one it's not actually a stock is it no mm-hmm. so it's really a gold ba- physical gold back uh debenture that's listed in the jsc that one can trade um and the real question is, you know, why, why this stock? Why, well, why gold in the first place? So, I mean, we're sitting in a world where the Fed's done the most, the fastest interest rate hike in history, um, along with many other central banks across the world. At the same time, inflation's come down, but it has not come down to the level and remains quite sticky. You know, you know, the various recessions and problems appearing in macro, especially Europe and UK, and maybe maybe one later this year in the US. And all of this is happening at the same time that you've got you've got regional banking stress in the US. That has not gone away. Do not forget about that. I've heard estimates as high as a third of the regional banks in the, in the US are effectively bankrupt if one marked to marketed their treasury holdings, which they haven't. Um, but all of this feeds into the 
into the world's so and touching on this there's commercial real estate problems china's real estate uh is, is really absolutely stagnant their economies and deflation arguably x growth for now and we've got two hot wars currently on the go not one two um Typically, one would say, well, let's, let's, let's move into safe assets over this period. But the safe asset in the world, the U.S. Treasury bond, depending on which maturity you're looking at, is down 20, 30, 40 percent. So the safe assets don't collapse like that. It's worth pointing that out. Mm. And hence, it's good in this place to have some insurance across our portfolios and different exposures and different expressions, depending on mandates. We, ha we have some gold exposure. Um, and... In, in terms of our, our discussion today, mm. really new gold is a very nice, efficient way to get it on the JSD for a local investor in rands. It's worth pointing out, if you go back 18, 20 years, the GLD, new gold, uh, has outperformed the JSE all share. It's generated about 15% uh, total return across that period in rands. The JSE all share has only generated about a 13% return. So if all you held was this... this uh, this fixed commodity with a lump of gold. By the end of 20 years, you still have a lump of gold, but you outperformed the JSE. Very interesting uh, dynamic. Absolutely, uh, Keith. Let's talk about Afrimat now. I'm keen to get your thoughts on Afrimat um, and uh, if you're bullish on it at all and why. So, first of all, you, you've got to understand the history of Afrimat mm. to understand why we like it because mm. the founder. The founder CEO is still involved, still building it out, and we, we hope he is for many years to come. We'll get the sense he is. Um, and uh, Afriman really started originally as a quarrying and building materials company. And over the course of the last decade, it's evolved into being a mid-tier multi-commodity miner. You're looking at you're looking at a good chunk of it coming out of iron ore. Uh, it's cash flows coming out of iron ore, a good chunk of it coming out of uh, coal. And it's building out other exposures as well that over time will come in. So you've got a diversified box uh, mix of commodities um, with a superb operator in the background who's managed to build this in arguably some of the toughest times in South Africa to build it. Um, and whereas we were cautious on commodities in, in the near term, particularly with, as I touched on previously, the, the weak Chinese property market, uh, Afrimat is really the best operator in this space. Clean balance sheet, good cost control, great production uh, uh, profile going forward. Um, you've got a really clean balance sheet, a great cash generation. The earnings are actually out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And their trading update, uh, update guided for 2 to 7% up, not down over this period, up. Um, and we expect them uh, you know, hit all the boxes. Uh, all, all of this thing on a 10 times multiple. We think if one is going to have high-quality SA Inc. exposure, and especially with a resource slant, Afrimat is, is a superb high-quality counter to hold. Can you get your thoughts on the Lafarge acquisition and how that adds value uh, to this uh, portfolio of assets, specifically because South Africa's infrastructure and fixed in, uh, investment spend is actually quite depressed. But of course, uh, you know, there's, we can always be optimistic about that, considering that we can't continue any longer uh, on this trajectory as a country. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Lafarge uh, because I was, I was going to include in my investment case uh, summary there, but but it's very, very much worth uh, touching on. So first of all, it's not actually yet approved by the Competition Commission as far as we are aware. 
Uh, one hopes the approval is forthcoming and that will uh, solidify the deal. But it is a it is an underappreciated deal and a very exciting one. Already, the slant of your questions there shows that there's a misperception in the market. Mm. Lafarge is viewed as a cement company. What is underappreciated is that is the quality of quarries they have around South Africa. They're effectively what Afrimat has bought is a high quality quarry company. Then they didn't really pay for cement. They came along free. So I mean, maybe one exits it, maybe one uh, turns that around. They will they will uh, navigate through that. And if you're going to back any management team to do that, they're 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 a right one to do. But the quarry component really sets them up wonderfully. And don't forget, a lot of aggregate goes into uh, road building, sand reel tenders. There's there's in the pipeline. There's very big ones. Goes into renewables construction. There's very big ones in the pipeline. Uh, if Transnet's ever gonna ever gonna fix itself and let, uh, yeah, lots of aggregates go to that. So one, it positions it really really well. And two, th- there's a lot of other hidden benefits. Lafarge has a relatively new fleet. So they're effectively buying brand new fleet that they don't need to. Uh, so the replacement value is much higher than they're paying. Their ability to turn it around and make it make it profitable. So, and, and there's there's certain certain other benefits that we think will materialize over time. So we are actually particularly excited about it at this point. We haven't given too much value to it in in our in our models. We're going to see how they uh, how they extract value, see how they turn it around. Um, but but this is the right management team to hold this asset. This is the right management team to manage it. And if any management team can turn it around, they are the correct ones. It's very interesting, uh, Keith. Uh, let's speak about a rating, uh, you know, these uh, two counters and maybe an instrument uh, for our retail investors who could be sitting at home, uh, understand the investment case, uh, but would like to know in which order uh, would be, uh, you know, the best uh, to, to, to go in. Sure. So, I mean, the difference between commodities and companies. Mm. Uh, so, if you're looking at a mining company and a commodity price that they mine, that's that's for reference because we're talking about new gold debentures (GLDs). Let's talk about gold. So, a gold mining company, the gold price goes up. The gold they sell, they earn more money, but it doesn't necessarily drop to their bottom line because there's a cost base there. Um, so, if the gold price goes up less than inflation. Well, inflation could, in fact, eat up the increase in the gold price and they could earn less. But typically speaking, a rising commodity creates a leverage-like effect where the miners of that commodity, their bottom line grows faster than the commodity price does. Uh, But it comes with mining risk. Comes with inflation risk. It comes with uh, resource risk. It may re- hit parts of the resource that just aren't there underground. Um, so. Buying something like gold, adding the physical is, in fact, if you're buying something as a hedge against a risk in this world, perhaps the right approach to do it is to is to buy the physical because that will track the spot upwards, but it does not come with all the mining risk, does not come with the production risk, the resource risk is not exposed. In fact, if anything, it benefits from inflation because it is, it's a tangible asset and and inflation is is more money chasing less less goods, so understanding the difference between these two things is quite relevant. Is you've got to consider why you are buying. One could be bullish on the commodity, but bearish on the miners. Another example might be the PGM miners in South Africa. If we see production problems, well, they supply most of the world's PGMs. 
But you don't want to be in a mana that can't mine. Therefore, one switches to physical and buys the physical because it benefits from the supply shortage of the miners. So there's there's fundamental differences between the physical and the miner, and it's worth thinking as an investor which one to use in which scenario. I mean, you have given us an educational segment, which is a very interesting uh, dynamic here, uh, you know, Keith, because uh, in a time when we are trying uh, to manage uh, a risk, it, it can be very confusing about where to put money. And so, of course, a case can be made here for uh, physical uh, commodities. But if we are still looking at counters, uh, for instance, if we're looking at a Raynet, or we're looking at an Afrimat there, uh, what, what should we be looking at as well then? Can, can I bounce the question back at yes. you? I mean, in which in which context? Because mm. yeah, Raynet's fundamentally different to buying physical mm. gold, fundamentally different to buying an Afrimat and moving, you know, so, so one has to consider the difference between equity and physical. Um, particularly if one is going, going into the world and buying physical gold, there's storage costs. So gold actually arguably has a negative interest rate where it costs to hold it. Something like equity over the long term, if you hold the right equity, it's a very productive asset because it's got cash flows, pays pays dividends, it can compound as well. So the consideration needs to be in in not just you, your view of the world and how you want to express it, mm. but your time horizon, um, the portfolio in which you're putting these things. So there's, there is definitely not one size fits all. Um, there is There is a time and place for all of these instruments differently. Okay, I think you've given us a lot to think about today and really challenged, uh, you know, how we normally think of our investments today. Thank you so much for your time. It's been invaluable. And that was Keith McLaughlin from Integral Asset Management.